Good morning. Welcome to church. Y'all looking mighty fine out there today. Hey, our candle burns every year. Um, ever since 9-11 happened, there was a couple here, Tracy and Eddie Rowanhorst. And Eddie died in the Pentagon. And uh, I promised his wife that we would never, ever forget uh, Eddie. And uh, every year that we would light a candle in memory of him and others who lost their lives. And uh, so today we remember uh, Eddie and all those who paid the ultimate price and uh, lost their lives at 9-11. Eddie was an awesome member of Salem Fields Community Church. He taught kids Sunday school and uh, ushered, and him and uh, Tracy were an awesome couple. Knew him for years, and uh, so today we honor his memory. And uh, we're glad you're here. Gay is in, uh, she is in Norway uh, on her uh, No Regrets once a year trip, her and her brother. And I love that they do that. Uh, they lost so many family. And one year they uh, lost a brother and he had, um, they had not seen him as much as they had hoped they would or should have maybe. And they made a agreement that every year they were gonna go on a no regrets trip and they're having a great time. So I am happy for them. Um, Jamie, uh, Kelly called your wife a cheapskate? Yeah, pretty much. So I'm just saying, you might want to meet him outside after service. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Anyway, uh, thank you for your help with the, the uh, supplies, all of you that have participated. If you haven't participated, as Kelly said, we really need your help. And uh, if you want to go on that trip and you don't want to email Kelly, you can even put it on your connection card. But we need people that uh, have... Uh, any skill level of all um, to help out with that. So church, I'm really praying that we'll rise up and be the church uh, during this uh, terrible time. And, uh, you know, I just checked uh, Irma and she has uh, uh, come on um, land in the, in the Keys. So we need to continue to pray. And I'm asking everybody at Salem Fields tonight before you go to bed uh, sometime today, uh, to get on your knees and just pray for the people of Florida and uh, for those that uh, are in Houston. We don't want to forget them. We're hoping maybe to take a trip to Houston. Um, and uh, we have a good friend there that pastors a church where they, nearly every family in their church uh, was flooded, not by so much by the um, Harvey, but by the release of the water from the uh, reservoir. And he said they had some single moms that just need some help. And so we're hoping maybe to pull a team together and go there. He said we could stay at his church. And uh, if you can't do any of that, uh, but you got, uh, you'd like to give a financial donation, we'd love for you to do that. And I promise you, uh, you we won't keep any of it. And people say, well, I don't want to give money where they won't all go. This will all go. And if you want to make a check to Salem Fields Community Church and help that way, uh, that would be great. And we'll make sure that money gets on the ground and is used uh, for its intended purpose. Okay, we're starting a new series today. It's called The New Normal. I hope these storms are not a new normal every summer. But uh, we're doing a series on the new normal. I'm 63 years old. And what was once normal, I can assure you, is no longer normal over my lifetime. In some ways, I really like that. I think it's great, a lot of the things that are new normals. Like when I grew up at our house, we had an outside Johnny house, bathroom, whatever you want to call it. And uh, so in the middle of the night, you either held it or you went outside. And I usually held it. And uh, 
But I'm glad that uh, outside Johns are no longer the norm. I enjoy the new normal where I can flush, <laughs> you know? I like the new normal that everyone in America can vote, uh, voting rights for all people, and I, it's great that we can now travel anywhere in the world in a couple days versus weeks. I like it that there's online education and that people can go to college and graduate without leaving their living room couch or wherever. You know, there's a new norm and it's online dating. I mean, wow, what could be better? Uh, <laughs> it's the cheapest way to go. Uh, a lot of people that I do premarital counseling with, I'll say, how did you meet? And they'll say, online, online, you know. And so, you know, uh, that's the new normal. But when I grew up, you had to work hard to get a date. I mean, at least I did. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I remember the first time Gabe drove through Kieseltown. That's where I grew up, Kieseltown, Virginia. And, uh, and as she rode through in her mom's Malibu, I said to the boys on the porch at the store, back off, boy, she's mine. <laughs> but I got to tell you, I had to work hard. I mean, work hard to get that woman to go out with me. Uh, I had to pay her sister to kind of do whatever she needed to do. But anyway, it all worked out. <laughs> and she, after I called her up, Gay, I hope that you are okay with the story. But I called her up and I said, uh, would you like to go out tonight? Because her sister told me she had it all set up. I thought, got this one. I knew I could get in there some way. And she said, well, let me call you back. I got to see if I got anything better to do, I guess. <laughs> and I guess there was nothing better to do, so she did call me back. Uh, but anyway, she's lived to regret that ever since. Uh, during this series, we're going to look at a few of the new normals of our culture that seem to sometimes contradict what the Bible says. There are a lot of good things about these new normals that we have in America today, but there's some new normals that we have in America today that uh, contradict what the Bible says. Our key verse, matter of fact, is found in the book of Judges. Uh, and the book of Judges has long been thought to have been written by the prophet Samuel around the year uh, 1051 B.C. It was written in the time where there was no king uh, in Israel. And, and in Judges 17.6, uh, the Bible says that everyone did what was right in his own eyes. You see, there was no king. There was no one on the throne. There was no one governing. There was no one setting the moral or the immoral standard. There was no one setting a standard for how people lived. And the Bible says everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now, just as in the day of the book of Judges, uh, centuries ago, I feel like it's no different today. Because it seems to me in America today, if like everybody is doing what's right in their own eyes. It seems like what we once held true in America, once we, what we once believed, and once we, where we once based our beliefs on what the Bible says, we no longer do that. And now people are doing whatever they want to do. They're making, they're making wrong right. And uh, we do that in many ways by changing the laws or whatever so that we can make those things that feel good to us, we make wrong right. And the scripture says, uh, 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 a scripture came to my mind a few days ago, Gay and I were talking about that, how it seemed that people today were trying to make wrong right. And we've talked about that before. And the scripture came to mind and it says, and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And Gay and I feel obligated to tell you 
what the Bible teaches. Because sometimes I wonder if, if we really know when I'm in conversation or while I'm watching social media, uh, your social media posts, not particularly yours, nobody in this room. Uh, uh, the deal is I wonder if we really know what the Bible teaches. And so we, th during this series, Gay and I just feel like that we need to help people understand what the Bible says. Because, uh, it, and so this scripture, and how can they hear him unless someone tells them? I know it's out of, con out of context but a bit, it, but you know what? Scripture doesn't have to be in context when God uses it to speak to your heart. And God used that scripture to speak to our hearts about the fact is that as your pastors, we have the obligation to talk to you about the truth and what the Bible says. And, and, and this scripture was uh, what compelled us uh, to do this series. You know, it, we don't just pull those out of the air. We kind of believe that God uh, brings those together in our hearts and minds. But truthfully, we think that if we don't tell you, then we will be held accountable. And if we don't uh, tell you what the Bible says about some of these new normals in our culture, that it's going to be on us as your leaders. Because God has told us uh, to uh, teach the truth of what the Bible tells us. And so during this series, we believe it's our responsibility as your pastors to tell you the truth from the Bible. Okay? We're going to just do that. We're going to dig into some of these cultural norms and we're going to talk to you about what the Bible says. And then, and then it will be your decision and it won't be, these will not be hate-filled messages. I can promise you that. You know us well enough to know that. But we're just going to tell you what God says in His Word and then it will be your decision whether you follow what the Bible teaches or what culture dictates. But we want you to know and so we're just going to tell you so that you can know. But today I want us to look at the new normal on how we communicate with others. Now as we were in our meeting, we have a meeting that we sit down and some of the staff come in and we just kind of start begin to start uh, thinking about the messages and thinking about who's going to do them and how it's going to play out and, and uh, when we talked about uh, the fact that, uh, that I would do communication, how to communicate with others, which is ironic because I'm terrible at it at home, uh, but uh, on how we communicate with others. As soon as it was decided that I was going to talk about the new normal in communication, I thought back to my childhood and how we communicated back in my day. Now, that's been a long time ago. When I grew up, uh, if you wanted to communicate with people, you either did it by phone or by snail mail. Alan Payne wrote, uh, reminded me this morning that sometime in school we might just slip a note to our neighbor and say, I love you, do you love me, yes or no? <laughs> and uh, we didn't send him a text. <laughs> but when, when you wanted to communicate by phone, uh, we used uh, this exact phone right here. This still hangs in my mom and dad's kitchen today. My sister just took a picture of that uh, beginning of this week and sent it to me. And that's still the old rotary phone that I grew up on in my house. And they still use it today. If you were to call my mom up right now and she, if she was in the kitchen cooking, she would pick up that phone. It was funny, the other day Jody uh, said that she was trying to teach Gracie and Jackson how to use that phone and they weren't fast enough because you got to dial it really, really fast if you want. But when we grew up, you communicated by phone and when we first got a phone, we had what was called a party line. Any of you ever have a party line? All right, some of you are too old or too young to know that. Others of us are ancient. You know, uh, 
not all of you, just me, <laughs> which meant that you shared, when you had a party line, what happened is you had to share your phone line with someone else. You might have two or three neighbors that were on the same line you were on, and so when you picked up the phone, if they were on the line, you couldn't do anything. You couldn't talk to them. You had to wait until they get off. And I remember we had this neighbor that just loved to talk. And so the longer she talked, the more schemes or the more rudeness that we would come up with. You know, we picked the phone up, she'd still be on because we wanted to make a phone call. We'd slam the phone down real hard, you know, so she would hear it. Or we'd begin to say things like, are you going to talk all day? And hang the phone up. <laughs> but finally, when she or that person would hang up, uh, then you were, able to, you were able to make your call. And if so, you just had to wait until their conversation was over. The new normal uh, that came along after that was a private line where you had your own line. And you didn't have to be rude and, uh, or wait for somebody else to get off. And we talked on a phone. Our, one of our phones looked like that phone. Anybody ever have that phone in your house? Now we're getting there on down there. And so that was the new normal. We had a private line, push-button phone. And when I left home, uh, we had a phone like this that I think my mom may even still have. Anybody have a phone like that? See that phone? Yeah. Well, my mom has one. It has caller ID on it. Now you can see who's calling, you know. And uh, when I call, my mom will pick the phone up and she'll say, Hi, buddy. How are you doing today? Because they got the new uh, carry-around phone. And then the new normal looks like the iPhone 7 if you have, or some kind of 7 or whatever, Samsung, whatever you have. Uh, but... When I was growing up, before uh, text and email, we used snail mail. If you wanted to communicate with someone, you didn't send them an email, you sent them a letter. And you had to write a letter, put it in an envelope, go get a stamp, go down to the post office. We, had, we didn't have mailboxes. We had a, uh, we had a, um, a mail, uh, we had a post office in our town, little, it was in the house of somebody, and we'd go in, we'd have to mail that. Or we'd have to write a card and put it in the mail and send it to them. You wrote, you mean you had to sit down and actually write out a letter or a card. The new normal, as you know, is text or email or Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat. I don't know what that is. Twitter, Periscope, Pinterest, Google Plus, Meetup, YouTube, and a hundred, at least a hundred more social media sites. The world in which we live in. Uh, the world in which we live in, uh, the new normal, this is the, they are all the new normal of communication. If Facebook were a country, it would be the third largest behind China and India. Social media, though social media sites are nothing more than the new normal on how we communicate. Social networking is completely out of control these days. I mean, but do the things we do online, the things we do online on these social media uh, uh, sites, do they make sense in real life? Watch this. Social networking is completely out of control these days, but do the things we do online make sense in real life? Let's take to the streets and find out. Ma'am? Hi. I just want to let you know that I'm following you. Like, just giving an alert. Okay. You don't have to do anything. Just know it and enjoy it. Jenna Kingsley is now following you. Just like do whatever and I'll just watch. Is that creepy? You wanna poke me back? Wasn't that fun? Yeah, this is weird though, I don't even know you. I know, but that's what you do, right? Tom O'Donnell started working at McGuire Law Firm. Congratulate Tom, guys. Be team players. You guys are not supportive. 
I want to endorse you for your coffee making skills. Thank you, I appreciate that. So easy, just, I don't even know what it means, but it's the thing to do. Do you think you're gonna endorse me too? Cause I'm pretty good at it. Sure. Okay, cool. Hi guys. Hello. I was wondering if you would like accept my friendship request. What? He looks really important with like the whole button down. Do you want to be connected? Do I want to be connected? How do I, how do you want to be connected? I just want to let you know that 12 people have viewed you. I'm sorry? 12 people have viewed you on the subway. What does that mean? I don't know, he must be really important. They're like viewing you. That guy chose to remain anonymous. Seven people have viewed you on the subway. I have just checked into Grand Central Station. What's your name? Andrew. Jenna and Andrew have just checked into Grand Central Station with about uh, 452 other people. I am getting so many views right now. <laughs> I am. Oh my god, man. That's so cute. I have to share this with everybody. Do you want to comment on how cute this is? This is cute. I like your comment. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Can you introduce me to that guy that's sitting next to you? This guy? You're like our one degree connection. Okay. <laughs> so if you could introduce me. All right, and your name is? Jenna. Jenna. Excuse me? Hey, uh, my, uh, my friend over here, uh, Jenna, she'd like me to uh, introduce you to her. Okay. So. Hey, Jenna. Hey. I'm Jenna. I mean, we had him in common, so I figured I should meet you. And now we're all connected. There's got to be a better way. <laughs> Without question, though, we live in a world whose new normal of communication is social media. Been around a while, but now it's just hit the scene, I've been on the scene and it's just roaring. So this message uh, in my heart is intended to address head on how we spend our time on social media and challenge us. I wanna challenge you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I wanna challenge you today to make sure our activity reflects our relationship with the King of Kings. That our, that our activity on social media reflects that we're in relationship with Jesus Christ and that we are who we say we are. You know, if we advertise the fact that we're believers in Jesus Christ, I want to help us know and understand that we have a responsibility in what we post and what we send and all those kind of things. So I suppose the question that is central for me, for this message, and the one that I wrestle with in myself is this. Am I using social media in a way that glorifies God? Am I using all my social media stuff, which is pretty limited, uh, am I doing that in a way that glorifies God? So I thought about, I wanted to just kind of give us some, uh, some things that we need to remember as believers in Jesus Christ that we need to remember when we go on Facebook as, as believers uh, and being who we say we are. And the first one is be careful before you post. Be careful before you hit post or before you hit send. You know, get some thought about what you're just getting ready to, to send in an email or a text or posting on your social media. 
be careful that your message can't be taken in a way uh, where you're expressing your anger. You know, when I get one of those um, texts or those emails or, or Facebook message, um, you know, I, uh, when I get one of those things, uh, that one of those messages that pushes my hot button, you know what I mean? Like I get these emails and people are making these kind of accusations or saying I did that. And, and you know, the first thing I want to do is <laughs> or get out my phone, you know, and just get on that thing and say, you know, and, and just let them know it. But I don't do that. What I do is I get on my keyboard and I write out a blistering email. In other words, I write out whatever I'm thinking, whatever I want to respond with. I write that thing out, email, text, or Facebook message, and then I delete it. Because I don't want to cause a bunch of pain in my life and the pain in other people's lives. But I am human and I do have thoughts when I get those emails when, you know, people only know half the story. And, uh, and so, yeah, but I think we have to be careful before we push sin or post. And, and if you, uh, you know, if you get one of those emails or Facebook message, try it. Try just writing it out and, um, and, let, uh, and then just delete it and then send out a kind email, kind as you can. I believe that's how Christ would have us respond. So Proverbs says, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent the prudent hold their tongues. And in Proverbs 21, it says, those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. You know, when we just fire off an angry email, an angry text, or an angry Facebook message or post, uh, you know, we just cause all kinds of calamity. All kinds of things happen. People get upset. People are hurt. People's reputations are messed up. And, and so I think if, if this proverb was written today, it says, uh, it would say, keep your fingers off the keyboard. And don't respond with a bunch of words. And that will keep yourself from calamity and creating a bunch of calamity and drama in your life. Another thing to remember is, uh, another thing is, remember is don't vent your anger. The Bible says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now that means don't... Uh, Post all of your family issues or your, uh, your relational issues or all your church issues online. You know, if you're angry with someone, just go talk to them personally. You know, the rest of us don't need to be in on all those issues that, that you may be having with others. A simple Facebook uh, or Twitter post or Snapchat or email filled with half-truths, only one part of the story, and, and posted in anger can in an instant, in an instant, in a moment, destroy the reputation of someone and even affect your reputation that you would post something like that. I can tell you a couple months ago, I mean, someone posted a blistering Facebook post about our learning center and it was filled with three-fourths lies and a little bit of truth. And I got to tell you, uh, we have worked hard at Salem Fields Community Church. I mean hard, praying hard, worked hard over these last uh, 18 years to have a, a learning center that will glorify God. And one simple Facebook post destroyed the reputation of what we've worked ourselves silly. Now, could we do better? Certainly. We can always work, and we always strive to do better. But that one Facebook post got, I can't tell you how many shares, how many likes, how many, how many, how many, and it was filled with lies. And once it's posted, 
that person's reputation is messed up. We also need to remember to never lie. Never lie, which I'm just following right off. Why? Because it's a sin to lie. You know, whether it's, uh, whether it's spoken or posted, or sent in a text, a lie is a lie, and, and there's no such thing as a white lie. You know, people say to me, you know, they'll say, buddy, I had to tell a little white lie. And, you know, I want to get out of the room. I want to run out of the room so God doesn't miss when he strikes, you know. Anyway, I'm just kidding. But, you know, there's no, a lie is a lie is a lie is a lie. I was reading a, uh, an article this week by a guy named um, Daniel Sweet. And Daniel Sweet was talking about some of the things that have crept into the church. And you know what the number seven thing that he talked about was? Christians lie. Christians lie. And I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe that's what I should be speaking on is the new normal in the church is lying, that we just think that God's going to wink at that and it's okay to lie. But I got to tell you, that's one of the seven things that God hates is lying lips. And so whether we speak it from our lips or we type it with our fingers, a lie is a lie is a lie. And embellishing a story is a lie. And this is what the Bible says about lying. Therefore, each of you must Uh, Put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we all are members of one body. Do you realize today, if you're a born-again believer, if you receive Christ as your Savior, we are the body of Christ here at Salem Fields Community Church. Christ is the head. I can assure you that. And then there's the body of Christ all over uh, Spotsylvania County, all over uh, America, around the world. We're part of the body of Christ. Did you know that? Did you know that, that we're members of the body of Christ? We're members of the body of Christ whether we're in this building or we're over at Walmart or, or, or we're at work or whether we're on Snapchat or Facebook. And so therefore, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. The next one, and this one breaks my heart and it really makes me sad, especially when I see it posted by Salem Fielder. And, you know, probably after this message, I won't have a friend left. Everybody be home. Hide him, hide him, hide him. Delete him, delete him, delete him. Uh, But don't confront or be critical of others. Don't confront a wrong and don't be critical of others. Jesus says if your brother sins, brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Now, if someone offends you, or someone says something that you don't like and it makes you mad, or they make a mistake, or, uh, or they, they don't do something the way you think they should do it, they mess over you, or whatever, they hurt, your, they hurt you, and legitimately they hurt you, or cause you pain, and the Bible says, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, no exception, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this leaves no one out, you can tell I'm passionate about this, If you're a believer, it's your responsibility to go to that person privately. It's your responsibility to go to that person privately. It's not your responsibility to get on Facebook and tear that person down and tell the whole world what that person did to you and they lied to you, they did this to you. It's not your responsibility for me to go to Matt and talk about the fact that Melissa hurt me so bad. And you know what? All that we're doing when we do that, we just want people to get on our side and we want people to... um, uh, um, Verify, that's not the right word, but we just want people, tell me what the word I'm looking for. Validate, that's it. We didn't talk about that in Kieseltown. But validate, we just want people to validate how we feel. 
We want them on our side, and we want people to say, but I'm going to tell you one thing. When you go to one person, that person goes, that person, that person goes, that person, that goes, that person goes, that person. And I'm telling you, that is absolutely sin. Because the Bible says it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to go to Melissa. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Go to Melissa. <laughs> go to Melissa and say, you offended me. And then if they don't listen, then you take another believer with you, and then you get the church involved. But God has laid out how we do that, and he didn't lay it out that it's okay for us to go on Facebook or Snapchat and cut our neighbor down and tell the whole world how terrible a person they are because they hurt our feelings. You know, I, I, I can't tell you how many people over the 30 years that I've been in full-time ministry, I can't tell you how many people, especially someone that I, that's very dear to me and someone I love, that have been hurt, that I've seen hurt because people refuse to follow the, the biblical principle and they take to social media or email and slander people. I got to tell you folks, it's wrong. And according to the Bible, it's never okay. If you are, it's never okay if you're right and they are wrong. It's never okay. Here's another important thing to remember that I need to let you know about. The Bible says, don't elevate yourself. Jesus says, but when you give uh, to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, Jesus is saying, hide the good that you're doing. Don't talk about the good that you're doing. Only post what, uh, maybe, maybe, I don't know only, but I'm just saying maybe we should start posting uh, what others have done for us. The good they've done to us. Wouldn't it be an awesome if we quit posting, uh, you know, uh, elevating ourselves but begin to elevate others and what they've done for us? Man, I'm going to tell you, I want to tell you what Anthony just did for me and post it so others could see that. Even when you pray, the Bible says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, our reward doesn't come from what other people say. It feels good. You know, it feels good for people to say, oh, I'll tell you that, buddy, he is one saint. If that was ever posted, I'd have a heart attack and die on the spot. But our reward doesn't come from what other people say or think about the good we've done. It says the Father. What the Father says is what matters and that he will reward us for the good we've done. Here's another important thing. Don't compare yourself to others. Don't compare yourself to others. Now, the Bible says not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. So the Bible's saying don't do that. Don't compare yourself. It says that when we compare ourselves, we lack understanding. We lack understanding in who we are. Do you realize that if you're a king, if you're a, a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, do you realize that you are the son, the daughter of the Most High King? That God, that God has the God that created the stars and the moon and hung them in the sky, that you are the son of the daughter of the most uh, the, the most high God. And the reality is, you don't need to compare yourself to anybody. I had a guy say to me this morning when he came to church, he said, man, I don't think I deserve this. And he showed me a picture. He said uh, something like that. And I said, what do you mean you don't deserve it? Buddy, you're the, key, you're, the, you're the son of the most high king. Your father is the God of the universe who sent his son to die for you, and you certainly do deserve it. And when we compare ourselves, we lack understanding. And then there's the big one. The scripture says, you shall not covet. 
as you, as you scroll through your social media, it can feel like everybody in the whole world has it together. You know, you're going, oh, my God. Oh, oh man, look at that. Oh, you know, someone, when you're scrolling, someone always has the best job, don't they? Oh, man, I wish I had a job like that. Or, man, they're on the best vacation. How can they afford that? My goodness, I wish that I could go on vacations like that. Or, or the, they have the cutest kids. Oh, aren't they adorable? I mean, they're the cutest kids. You say, man, my kids are ugly. And look at these kids. I mean, they are adorable. Or they have the happiest marriage. I mean, oh, my gosh, they're all loved up. And they have the happiest marriage. And, you know, I love you and you love me. And, you know, and, 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 and so it makes us feel pressure to measure up to other people's social media stat, status. Steve Furnick said, the person we struggle with, the, per, the reason we struggle with insecurity is because we compare ourselves to everyone else's highlight reel. And that's what it is. Facebook is a highlight reel. I mean, people just put the highlights on. I mean, wow, they put all the good things that's happening in their life. It's a highlight reel. When we scroll through that thing, it's like watching ESPN and watching the Redskins beat the Cowboys. And I mean, we show the best of the best of the pictures, right? Go Redskins. We're not going to talk about that until we get to the Super Bowl, which may be a few years from now. But uh, <laughs> what I'm saying is Facebook is nothing but a highlight reel. You know, you know that people usually only post the awesome things that are happening in their life, right? You do know that, right? I mean, it's highlights of their life. And I mean, you, when's the last time, uh, when's the last time that you've seen a report card posted on, on uh, social media and the kid has all D's and F's? <laughs> when's the last time? I mean, you post that thing, you say, look at my kid. They got all D's and F's. I've got the most, I've got the stupidest kids that ever went to school. <laughs> Praise God. Look how dumb my kids are. You don't see it. It's not out there, you know. You don't see a post that says, hey, my kid threw three interceptions today. Praise God. He's the worst quarterback that ever put on a pair of pads. Or, or, or you see, you don't see a post where your kid's sitting on the bench and they put you in in the bottom of the seventh inning and they put you in right field so nothing comes your way. You don't post that. You don't see that. But you, put, you see the highlights. And that's what we see. And parents, you should post the highlights. You should be proud of your kids. I'm not saying that whatsoever. I'm just saying for the rest of us, don't make that a way to compare your life. You know, uh, or when's the last time you've seen a post where the husband says, man, I just came home and I just cussed out my wife. I mean, I told her what's up, man. I mean, I let her have it and I feel really good about it. But that happens, but we don't post it. And that lovey-dovey couple, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. One of the things that Gay and I have been talking about is we don't know the whole story. We don't know the whole story. And when you see that highlight, you don't know the whole story. You know, when that wife comes home and she's got about, and I'm not stereotyping here, I'm just saying something here. But, you know, she comes home, she's got 15 shopping bags. And, and you know, she says, wow, I just went and spent all the money we got and now we can't pay the light bill. Praise God, I had a good time. I don't care if my kids eat or not. <laughs> we don't post that stuff. We post the highlights. You know, I just say not everything has highlights. We struggle. We all struggle. We all mess up. 
We all fall down sometimes. And so don't compare when you make your daily scroll through social media. Okay? Also, watch out for immoral influences. There's a lot of good about social media and there's a lot of not so good about it. The Bible says do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Not everything about this new normal of communication is good. You see, so we need to be careful not to be influenced by the culture's view of life, by the culture's ideas or the false teachings that are out there or the lewd language or the dirty jokes or the porn sites or the gossip that's out there. You see, parents, you need to guard the social media accounts of your children. You need to know what they're, what's going on in their life. You need to know because there are people out there that are trolling your children's social media sites trying to find a way into their life to mess with them. We read about it all the time. You, you need to see who their friends are. I don't care if they get mad at you. You got to see who they. You got to see who they're chatting with, and you got to uh, protect your children. It's your responsibility, and for God's sake, folks. And I know I say that, but it's for God's sake. It, it's for the cause of Christ. Please watch what you post, man. I mean, and again, here goes some more friends. Sometimes I see stuff that's posted, and I think, why did you need to post that? I mean, what is in your mind? And I see people that I think, wow, I would have never dreamed that they would have posted that. I got to tell you, when you post something, everybody sees it. Everybody sees it. You know, you might say, well, I deleted it. Too bad. It's already there. And, and you know, I, I got people come to me all the time, and they'll say to me, wow, I saw such and such post that on Facebook. And I, I didn't know that was all right. I didn't know, wow. That surprises me. I see them greeting at church. I see them, you know, in leadership. I see them, and I'm so shocked that they would post that. That's a true story. I'm not lying. I'm not embellishing. For heaven's sake, please watch what you post. You know, because there are believers and unbelievers alike who look at your life and say, wow, they're believers. And they follow your example. Okay, when I see those kind of posts from Salem Fielders, it makes me sad. Honestly, it makes me sad. It makes me wonder what in the world are we teaching over there or not teaching? Least you could do is not put on there that you go to Salem Fields. <laughs> say, yeah, I go over there to the Baptist church somewhere. <laughs> I'm kidding, 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 okay. I got, sometimes I got to lighten myself up. That's why that happens, okay? Next, remember, don't let it consume your life. You know, uh, social media can easily take over your life if you're not careful. I mean, this is an area that concerns me about me. I mean, I can catch myself on my phone more than is healthy for me, scrolling Facebook or looking at uh, my emails or whatever, and it, it I do it more than I think is healthy for me and my relationship with God and my family and my relationship with you. So Bible says everything is beneficial if you have, you have, I have a right, Paul says, to, I have a right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. So don't let social media consume your life. And next, protect your marriage. Protect your marriage. The Bible says marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Now, did you know that there was a, um, 
uh, an academy, uh, American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers. Yeah, there's an academy of them. I didn't know that. Of just matrimonial lawyers. And the matrimonial lawyers say 81% of its members have used uh, or faced uh, evidence taken from social media sites. You know, you go to court, and there they are. All those posts, all those things that you posted in, 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 uh, in the past five years. You know, I had an old girlfriend. I only had two girlfriends in my life, and that's I'm lying there. I only had, well, I didn't have many more than that, but I had an old girlfriend friend me on Facebook. And immediately, I deleted that request. You know, because on those days, you just never know what that conversation could turn into. And I told Gay the same day. You know, because you see, I don't think the Bible says keep uh, marriage bed. When the Bible says keep the marriage bed pure, it only means don't have sex outside of marriage. I don't believe that's all that it means. I believe we need to keep our relationship and our marriages pure and honest and straightforward. You know, I think it means... uh, uh, not having secret conversations with the opposite sex or sexting, compromising pictures of yourself or receiving them from others or visiting sites that promote how to have an affair, my goodness, or chatting secretly with someone or viewing porn from those things that show up that people post and, and you just go for it. And so I say, I'm going to do everything I can to protect my marriage. And keep my marriage bed pure. Finally, don't use social media for church. Now, I read, uh, I read uh, an article this week where Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg applauded. Now, that's interesting. He applauded the role churches historically played in society. He's saying, wow, in, in the past, churches have played a tremendous role in providing commu- support in the community and to encouraging volunteerism. And he said in the face of declining church membership, he suggested that Facebook could now fill the void left behind from people leaving the church. It's so striking, he said, that for decades, membership in all kinds of groups have declined as much as one quarter. Now, that's a lot of people, he said, who need to find a sense of purpose and support somewhere else and community somewhere else. But for all that, Zuckerberg, for all that Zuckerberg gets right, in this article, he gets a lot right about the church, and we can learn from people in the world about what we are or aren't uh, doing that's making a difference in the world. And he gets a lot of things right in that article, but the one thing he gets wrong, Facebook, nor any other form of social media or any organization can replace the church. You see, the church was thought up by God. He created the church. And he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. You see, the church is not a building on any street corner in any city around the world. You see, the word church comes from the Greek word that means a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place and assembly. Now, for believers in Christ, it's a, a, a word that simply means the people of God. The people of God. The people who profess that they believe in Jesus Christ and they've confessed their sins and Christ lives in their heart as Savior. And therefore, you and I become Christ 
here on earth. We become the visible representation of who Christ is in this world. And that's who we are as a church, and you cannot replace that. You cannot replace that. The church is not the building. If you came here during the week, you would learn real quickly that this church is not the church. There's all kinds of people that use this building day in and day out. It's a building. It's the people, it's a tool for us to use to reach our community and to assemble together to find encouragement and hope and strength and together reach our world for Christ. It's the people who populate the church, who populate the building, and that, my friends, is you and me. We are the church. For those of you who worship online, I am so grateful for every one of you that worships online. I truly am. It's one of the greatest things that we were ever able to do. We got people all around the world that tune in to Salem Fields Community Church every week, and I love that. But I think for every now and then, it'd be okay for you to come here and check in. You know, I'll say to people, I'll say to people, wow, I haven't seen you in a long time, so I've been on Facebook. And I say, oh, I mean, uh, I've been on, uh, I've been on streaming live. I love that. Man, I just love that they're not missing an action. They're still connected. I still love you, okay? All right. Another thing Alan Payne told me this morning, he said, boy, I'm glad I didn't stay home and watch online this morning. But <laughs> the Bible says, uh, not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So I just say to you, if you're uh, normally watching online, every now and then, just pop in. Just pop in. It'd be awesome. It'd be awesome for you to show up the building if possible. You know why? Because it encourages us. It encourages us. I cannot tell you. When somebody that's not been in church for a long time, when I'm standing out that door and I see people walking up the sidewalk that haven't been here in a long time, I mean, I began to get excited. I mean, my heart, honest to God, I get so excited. It's so encouraging to me to see that people that have been missing in action and here they come up the sidewalk and they walk in the door and they give you a big old hug. I got to tell you, there's nothing better for a pastor. I mean, I love, I love cheeseburgers and french fries. But I got to tell you, there's nothing more that I love than people who have been missing when they come to church. And, it, and, and they're the same for you. It's encouraging to see people come and find Christ. So, in closing, I want to share a few quotes that I found. I just thought they were neat quotes, and I didn't use, particularly use them the way that I thought I might when I found them. But here's a few quotes. The first one is that at the end of your life, it won't matter about the likes you got, but the love you shared. It won't matter about the likes. It'll be about the love you shared. Like money, social media is a great servant, but a terrible master. Another one is caring is not liking a post, but loving a person. Another one is we are not who we are because of who follows, follows us. We are who we are because we follow Jesus. And the last one says this, social media should not replace relationships. It should only re assist a relationship. So having said all that I've said today, you know, it's just things that I want us to remember as believers in Jesus Christ. Just things I want us to remember in this new normal that we live in today in communication. I just felt in my heart all week that this is kind of where I needed to take the first stab at this new normal. 
And having said all that today, in closing, my hope and prayer for Salem Fields today would be that God would protect us in this new normal. That he would protect you. And, you know, we think it's harmless. But that God would protect us. And that he would protect our church and our learning center. And our community from the evils of this new normal. Because there are some evils, there's some good, and there's some evils called social media. And mostly I pray that God, I mostly pray that God would be glorified in every email, every tweet, every Facebook comment, every Snapchat, every whatever chat, every time we post. I would pray that everything that Salem Fields posts would honor and glorify Jesus Christ and people would be drawn to him, not turned off to him. That is my prayer for us today. Amen? Amen. All right. Good. God bless you. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the word, Lord, that guided us, Lord. And even if we're not on social media, Lord, there's a lot of truth in this message today from your word. And so I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would just fall fresh in you upon this place today, upon your people, God, that you would open our hearts to receive the message of this moment, God. We want to glorify you with our lives. Lord, we want to glorify you with our social media, uh, God, and we want you, God, to find glory. Help us as a church to better be able to use uh, social media, God, to reach people for Christ. I pray for our brothers and sisters that are worshiping with us online today, Father, that they feel no condemnation, Lord, just encouragement that we just like to see their face every now and then. God, I just pray that you would just be with us as we leave this place today. I pray, God, your watch care over those in Florida. I pray, dear God, that uh, you would help us to be the church, the church of Jesus Christ, Lord. Our country needs us today. And Lord, I just pray that Salem Fields will rise up and be the church. Father, help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And really, folks, my prayer today is that we can really step up as a church. And I appreciate everybody that's done something to bring in a crisis care kit. If you haven't, there's gallon bags out there. You can grab one, as Kelly asked, and fill it up. You can go on a trip. If you can't go on a trip, you can give some money, and it'll all go to help people we know in Florida, churches that are working to dig out, and uh, I promise every dollar will go to help flood victims. You don't have to worry about how much we'll keep because we won't keep, okay? God bless you, and let's, let's stand and worship God together.
So everybody tonight, I want you to commit before you go to bed tonight that you would get on your knees and pray for Florida and those in Texas that are going through a difficult time. Let's rise up as a church and not only give, but let's pray and ask God. I'm praying and still believing that maybe that storm somehow will blow off the coast and out of sight and never to be returned again. Okay, God bless you. Men, sign up for the men's advance out there or I'm going to hound you until you do. God bless you. <laughs> I'm not going to. This is amazing grace. 